hit it. I wait patiently for the Lord. Anyway. He set my feet on a rock. Anyway, we're all dancing now. Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries. And we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Scattered. Uh, I am here with Jill and Mary right now, and Juliet will be joining us later, hopefully. We are looking today at chapter 41. At the end of chapter 40, we left Joseph uh, in prison, and the last words we read are that he forgot him. So the cupbearer uh, who was saved has forgotten Joseph's request to mention him to Pharaoh, and Joseph is left languishing in jail. So now we're going to take a short pause just to talk about some of the themes that have started, we've started to see emerging in the story of Joseph. So Jill and Mary, what are some of the themes that we've seen emerging and where have we seen them come out in the chapters so far? I think obviously uh, a really big theme in Genesis is um, God's sovereignty. So the providence of God. Um, I mean, we talked about it a bit when we were doing chapter 37 with some of the stuff that happened in that chapter. Just they had to be just God engineering things behind the scenes for things to particularly happen at a certain point so that Joseph would end up in Egypt like he did. And I guess linked to that theme is kind of, you know, if God is sovereign and he is, you know, and everything is his providence, then the suffering that Joseph goes through has a purpose. Um, And we're seeing through his story, aren't we, in the ups and downs. I mean, it looks like things are getting better in Potiphar's house and then he ends up in prison again and then things are starting to get better. Um, And then he's forgotten, like we heard at the end of uh, the last chapter. We can see, can't we, if God is sovereign, then that goes hand in hand with the fact that this suffering is for a reason um, and all suffering is for a reason. And God is working in each little part of Joseph's story. Yeah, we talked quite a bit in my Bible study group last week about that and how how hard that is to apply into your life because you can read that, can't you, in a, well, he's a Bible character. Of course, God was at work in this story, but actually that same God is at work in our hard situations, isn't he? And is doing good things in our hearts and through us. But just how, yeah, how hard that is to rub into your own heart when life doesn't go the way you would have chosen it. Yeah, I was reflecting on the fact that it can, like, there's a danger, isn't there, in, you know, God's sovereignty. Oh, God is sovereign. It kind of becoming a a trite truth that we kind of trot out to people when they're going through difficult times. But actually, the truth of it, like, underpins everything in Joseph's story, and it underpins everything in our stories. And if we, like, we're going to see later in chapter 41 that the way that Joseph names his children, I think, is testament to God's sovereignty and his recognition of God's sovereignty and suffering. Um, and it, and it's, it's beautiful that he recognises that. Yeah, I think it, it is hard, isn't it, when people are really struggling and when they're in the immediate aftermath of hurt or trauma or whatever, to, I always find it hard anyway, to encourage them whilst not also feeling like you're just chucking Bible verses at them. It's a really, it's Mm. like you have to really showing that you, this is truth. I'm telling you this, not because I can't think of anything else to say, but this is better than anything else I could say. 
you know, God's word is better than any other comfort I could offer you. I just remember when um, a friend of ours lost a baby at 21 weeks, she was away in a different country and it was all horrendous. And um, at one point there was a comment about Romans 8, 28, you know, God works all things for the good of those who love him. And she said, people keep saying this verse to me. That's all they keep saying to me. And I was like, yeah, but that's because it's truth. Like you might not want to hear it now. And that is a hard truth to hear. You might want to hear it again in six months time, but that is the best thing they can say. No human could ever give you comfort in your suffering in the way that God's word can give you comfort eventually at some Mm -hmm. point. Um, Yeah, I just think it's so important, isn't it? When people are suffering that we don't just try and give them physical or trite comfort that we give them deep solid rock based truths that will not change with the circumstances Mm. Mm. but I guess even better is if we're helping people to believe and hold on to the that truth when they're not suffering so that they know it themselves when the hard times come you know I think it is really hard isn't it in the moment to throw bible verses whereas actually if we're teaching this and we're encouraging each other to delight in these truths on the good days then it's still true on the bad days isn't it and it's it's easier then to reference things that we've talked about on the good days isn't it when the hard times come and that's mm-hmm. the that's the promises aspect that presumably joseph clung to in his situation isn't it um, and I think this is probably another theme that runs throughout Genesis, Exodus, I mean, the rest of the Bible, but particularly here, fulfilled promises, you know, just pointing people to those promises. God has said he will do this. God has done all this other stuff, not just in your life, but from the beginning of creation, the whole of existence has worked towards Jesus. And now we know that he will fulfill the rest of his promises. And I think that Mm. in Joseph's life promises, the story of Joseph's life promises is a massive thing hanging over the whole story, isn't it? You know, Israelites reading this are going, what on earth is going to happen? This guy is in the pit. (laughs) How and yeah. But it's helpful, isn't it, to look back at Genesis 15, where God promises that they're going to be in Egypt, that he's going to take his people to Egypt. And so Joseph would have known that probably and so there's a comfort there isn't there for him that I'm not just in Egypt because of my brother's sin but God's at work through that um Mm. the other theme I was thinking about is the way that salvation comes through suffering um and I know we've talked each week about how Joseph is a type of Jesus and a, a pointer to Christ but I think that's also a theme isn't it and the whole gospel hangs on that idea that our salvation comes through suffering and we see Joseph's suffering is achieving salvation, isn't it, for the the whole world that we begin to see played out in this chapter. Yeah, and you just see within that, don't you, over and over again, how God sort of stacks the odds against himself or the chosen person and then demonstrates his power. And he does that with Jesus as well. You know, Jesus was an impoverished um, refugee who looked like you know he was a carpenter incredibly lowly and yet such incredible things were achieved through him God demonstrated his power so beautifully it's such an encouragement I think you know when you feel like things are piling up on you this bad thing happens this bad thing or this situation is bad but it's okay because God demonstrates his power through weakness 
Guys, we've we've missed a really important theme, which obviously is the importance of cloaks and not wearing cloaks when there are kind of dodgy people around. Oh, I wanted to leave people with that right at the end of the podcast because I thought that's the most important point. And that's what you need to do. You need to summarize your important points at the end of the session. So that's what people remember. Don't worry. Don't worry. We can talk about it again because, you know, in chapter 41, I think Pharaoh gives Joseph some robes. And I was like, there are lessons. The theme continues. (laughs) I think maybe maybe we need to do a whole episode on clothing in the Bible. There's a lot we could talk about there. I'll go away and prepare. Thank you. Anyway, we digress. So moving on now to chapter 41. So two full years have passed. Uh, Pharaoh has a couple of dreams, one where seven fat cows come out of the Nile and then seven skinny cows come out and the skinny cows eat the healthy cows. Then he has another one with seven healthy ears of corn and then seven thin ears of corn and the thin ones eat up the healthy ones. He sends for his magicians and nobody can interpret. And then suddenly the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And uh, yeah, Joseph comes and interprets the dreams, tells uh, Pharaoh that they basically mean the same thing and that he needs to put, there's a famine coming and he needs to put somebody clever and trustworthy in charge of it. So Pharaoh chooses Joseph and Joseph is elevated to a new position. And when the famine comes, uh, people are safe and there is plenty of food. So ladies, uh, in this chapter, Uh, quite a long chapter what were the major things that struck you what stood out to you for me I think it's incredible how God uses Pharaoh and um, to save the Israelites and not just save the Israelites but to bless others through um, what Joseph will do in not just um, telling him the meaning of the dream but also to organize pharaoh's crops just as stewardship of that country's goods to bl- not just bless the israelites but to bless the egyptians and to bless other nations around them as well and i i just saw it really clearly how pharaoh is in god's hands isn't he because you know that section where he's had these dreams he wakes up troubled and he's like okay people tell me what these mean and nobody has a clue and that just really struck me how unusual that is because his advisors would normally be full of their best chat wouldn't they for the king and yet God's all over that in that God's agenda is to get Joseph onto the scene and so God's in control even of the Egyptian court isn't it and of the dreams that Pharaoh has and the wise men who aren't wise in this situation and God's in control of when the cupbearer remembers, you know, after two years go by and then suddenly he's like, oh, duh, I know the man. Um, Yeah, it just really struck me that God's got all these little details, hasn't he, to bring forward his purposes. I think like for people listening to this story through Moses in the desert, they were like, oh, like the revelation they must have been having as this story was going on about how Joseph was going to be used to bring good and how they would end up living there as well. It must have been quite gripping in terms of knowing that God's 
hand was in all of this. Must have been a really long two years for Joseph, though, wouldn't it? I guess, can you imagine at the beginning, he would have been full of hope because, you know, the chief cupbearer has gone back and he's done this great thing for the chief cupbearer. And then I guess gradually it would have been this gradual kind of grinding down of his hope, like, wow, he's forgotten me. Um, has God forgotten me? What's going on? And he's, he still has to be in prison, doesn't he? Because if, you know, if he was released or something, then he wouldn't be there when Barry needs him. And But he doesn't see that. I just was reflecting on, you know, in our waiting and in Joseph's waiting, we just don't see the end point sometimes, do we? And sometimes our waiting is much longer than two years. Um, and yet God's got him in exactly the right place um, for exactly the right time. Yeah, and when, when Joseph is brought out to Pharaoh, when, when Pharaoh calls for Joseph and the cupbearer finally remembers him and Pharaoh calls for him and Joseph comes before him, he has to shave and, and change his clothes in verse 14 before he can become, come mm. before Pharaoh. You know, he's brought, he was brought out from the dungeon. He was brought up from the dungeon, clean shaved and brought before Pharaoh. And I just, it made me think of when he was brought up out of the pit, when he was in the desert with the brothers, he brought out of the pit. And it, reminded me of that bit in Psalm 40 where it says um I waited patiently for the Lord he inclined to me and heard my cry he drew me up from the slimy pit out of the mud and mire and he set my feet upon a rock I would like to say at this point I'm singing a song in my head Hit it. I waited patiently for the Lord he set my feet on a rock anyway we're all dancing now anyway uh my point being it's that whole waiting patiently for the Lord he heard my cry and he lifted me out and he set my feet on a rock. Like that's the picture of what happens here with Joseph, isn't it? He gets lifted out of the dungeon and he gets his feet put on. <laughs> Weirdly, um, well, he gets his feet put on God's uh, promises. And within that, it's integration into Egyptian society and things like that. But that theme of being brought up out of the pit and that's us as well, isn't it? You know, we sit patiently and we're waiting. Before. Or not so patiently sometimes. Or not so patiently. I was also struck by, like we've talked throughout Genesis about um, Joseph's character. And I think his, the way he, in verse 16, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Um, verse 25 Joseph says, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh. And again, um, 28, God has shown Pharaoh. Like he's so, he points to God so strongly. Um, and there's something about him, isn't there? Obviously, because by verse 38, we've got Pharaoh saying, um, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. So I guess just linked to what we were saying about waiting, um, Joseph hasn't wasted his waiting, has he? He is a man of God. He loves God. He's pointing straight to God, even in what must have been quite a terrifying situation, being brought from prison straight into the presence of Pharaoh. And in that moment, God has obviously revealed to him what, what Pharaoh needed. But in that moment, still, he's like, this is all about God. This isn't about me. And I think that really our characters are often revealed, aren't they, in the in the times when we're most afraid or most tired or whatever. And I think Joseph just there's gold in there, isn't there? And the contrast is there, isn't it? Because there's no mention of God in those first 15 verses. There's just Pharaoh's confusion and angst and anxiety. And Joseph, when Joseph arrives on the scene, quite literally, God's word arrives on the scene with him, doesn't he? And yeah, it, 
it solves everything. Sarah was probably quite traumatised from watching seven ugly cows eat seven fat cows. Like, I was reflecting on that. I was like, that must have been quite a horror, horror dream. What's it called? A nightmare to wake up from. Like, how did they eat them? Just like well, one goal? But, and, but just the whole thing of all that's good is consumed by all that's evil and horrible, isn't it? And in both dreams. So even though he didn't know mm. it, he knew it wasn't good because all the good and healthy things are just demolished, aren't they? By the horror cows or the horror cows. I love that. Or the horror corn, basically. But also the thing to notice is, you know, when, when, when Pharaoh retells the story the second time, he says that the horror cows. I feel like they missed that. They missed horror cows in the Lloyd Webber version. That should have been in there. Come on. <laughs> cows of doom. The reason I'm laughing is because in the How to Train Your Dragon books, there's a dragon called Horror Cow. Uh, we digress again. When, when Pharaoh retells the story of his dreams to Joseph, he says in verse 21, even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. And so it's that amazing thing, isn't it? Like evil eats up the goodness and the evil mm. is unchanged. It is still evil. It is still the same. It is all consuming and it just takes over everything. It reminds me of Jesus and his ability to touch evil or sin or sickness and not be consumed by it. Uh, like everyone thought maybe he would be you know when he touches like when he goes and heals that guy who's got the legion of demons in him or you know in the kind of consuming nature of that evil and yet Jesus goes along and just I don't think he actually touches him but he just is like be gone and they're gone and it, it just reminds me of that power and and, and this the scariness of evil in Pharaoh's dream I guess for us is a reminder that Jesus is more powerful and stronger than that evil by far like he is not afraid of it what do you guys think about verse 38 where it says so Pharaoh asked you know the people around him all his officials can we find anyone like this man in whom is the spirit of God and also in verse 39 it says Pharaoh says to Joseph since God has made all of this known to you well I guess we've we've mentioned it before how just Joseph unashamedly talks about God in the way that he says um, he said previously to the cupbearer and to the baker that um, that it was not him that knew the interpretation of dreams but God and I feel like you know that not only it's not explicitly he says what God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do and so like that shows so much faith and it's definitely struck with Pharaoh because probably his um, dream tell, dream interpreters would be like, oh, what I'm about to tell you or how wonderful I am that I've been given this message for you. Instead of bigging himself up, he's bigging God up and that that has a profound impact on other people. What do you think about his integration into Egyptian society? Because it's pretty comprehensive. I mean, he gets given a wife, doesn't he? And robes. Do you think he, walk, do you wow, think he walks wow. like an Egyptian? Definitely. I really hope so. It's striking, isn't it, that Joseph, yeah, he's living in Egypt. He's got all the riches of Egypt. He's got position. He's got an Egyptian wife. And yeah, I think it's amazing when he names his uh, kids. 
because thinking about it, if you think about it, it's going to be nine years until he meets his family again. So there's going to be seven years of abundance and then two years into the famine, we're going to meet his brothers. So that's a lot of, you know, a lot spoiler. of time and a lot of spoiler alert. Yeah, that's a lot of time for him to be able to change. And, you know, but you can see even through that when he has these two kids. And um, so he names one of them Manasseh. Uh, because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And then we've got Ephraim, uh, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And I don't think that's like a negative, I've forgotten them. I think it's like, a, I am not remembering their, what they did to me and my hardship that they caused me. I don't know about what you thought about that, but I don't think he's like bitter in that sense. Um, I think it's like a, I want to move on from that awful patch of my life. I don't know what you think about that. But anyway, in all of that, Joseph isn't forgetting God, is he? He's not, he's in Egypt, but he's not of Egypt. That's a really hard balance to get, but all the evidence in this chapter would imply that, yeah, he's, he's being a blessing, but he's the Lord's man still, isn't he, in that, in that place? Yeah, I think in the build up to it, if you look at um, towards the end of chapter 41, you know, he's made second to Pharaoh. He's married to an Egyptian woman. Um, he goes out throughout the whole of Egypt, which is a massive contrast to being in prison, isn't it? He's in prison and then all of a sudden he can roam, roam the whole land. Um, on his chariot. On his chariot. Uh, People being told to bow down to him. I mean, the real question here is whether or not he was wearing a cloak at the time, because I feel a lot less safe if he was. But I feel like there aren't many cloaks in the, you know, the hieroglyphic pictures that you see. I feel like they're mostly top naked. OK, fine. We're safe then. But anyway, that I mean, that brings out a whole other realm of concerns for me. But let's move on. Um, so there he is, like this little section you know, verses 44 to um, 49, where he's really involved in Egyptian life. He's presumably wearing similar clothes. He's married to an Egyptian woman, all these things. If I was an Israelite, I'd, I'd be a little concerned, you know, is he going to remember his people? Is he going to remember the true purpose for why he's there? Is he so integrated into Egyptian society? And then yet, and then verse 51, bang, he names his children with Hebrew names. He's not forgotten himself. Mm. He's not forgotten where he's come from. Um, and I agree with you, Mary. I think with the um, aspect of forgetting, it's not so much um, a bitterness thing. I think it's God has shown me the purpose of all of that. And therefore, I'm not dwelling on it. I, am, um, I have been so blessed um, God has been so generous to me that I'm choosing to, you know, I'm focusing on his promises, his goodness, not on my sufferings and sadness. Which is really healthy, I think, when you have been through something very traumatic. Um, I think there's a sense of God helping us heal and be restored. I think he does that with God, doesn't he? He's not kind of said, well, this all happened and now I've got this great new life in Egypt and I'm going to enjoy it. He's very much walking that with God. And um, yeah. Well, yeah, the name of the children is God has helped me forget, isn't it? God has brought, made me fruitful. It, he still remembers who it is that's um, running the show, even though it looks like it's Joseph. Joseph knows it's the Lord's work. 
Yeah, and it's a bit of um, like the in the name, it has his hardships in the name as well. And so maybe every time he calls his child, he knows what God has done for him in that difficult time. And he would remember that when he's being blessed, you know, what how God has brought him through. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, there's this like idea that our sufferings like shape us and we don't, we almost couldn't have become that kind of person without them, could we? So it's like, it's like that idea of that pottery that they stick together with gold um, as if it like just makes us more beautiful. Yeah. I just love that part in verse 55 where the famine arrives and people go to Pharaoh and say, what should we do? What should we do? And Pharaoh doesn't say, go to the storehouses, go and find the grain. But he says, go to Joseph. And I just think that's a picture of Jesus, isn't it? You know, when life's hard, we need to go to Jesus. It's a parallel, right? Because do you remember at the wedding of Cana and they've run out of wine and they're like, what do we do? And Mary's like, go to him and do what he tells you. And I don't, I don't know if it's meant to be that parallel, but I was really struck by that. Yeah. And they're sent to Jesus, aren't they? And a miracle happens. And I don't yeah. know, again, I'm the same as you. I don't know if the gospel writer meant it to be that way. But again, here we see people being sent to Joseph and a miracle happening, you know, not, not only Egypt being saved, but eventually the known world. And I guess the bigger picture therefore is that in like Jesus provides, doesn't he? Uh, And he doesn't just provide like the wine that he provided for the wedding was the best wine. So when we go to Jesus and when we look to Jesus and come to Jesus, he provides more than we need and you know it says doesn't it when joseph is storing the grain there's so much verse 49 there's so much he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure um and i think that just i don't know there's there's an essence there isn't there of just the beyond measureness of jesus's provision for us um i bet you loved that grammatically helen beyond measureness shall i say it again just for your enjoyment (laughs) (laughs) anyway on that Lovely bombshell. Uh, let me let me like come to a, a stop. Thanks uh, for that, everyone. Uh, hope everyone listening enjoyed that. We did too. No, I'm going to do that again. I'm just looking. I need to not look at your faces. I need to not look at your faces. Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much, everyone. Uh, we will see you next week uh, for chapter forty-two. Bye. 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 You're so busy making faces, you can't even be bothered to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>